0: You're listening to the Chancellor Pink Podcast on Chancellor Pink Radio. It occurred to me to make a podcast about something that I've experienced my entire life that I believe in, that is relevant, that is overlooked, that is misunderstood, that is denied as beautiful. And that is something I like to call the beautiful sadness What is the beautiful sadness? It's not all out depression because depression isn't beautiful. When you're literally sorrowful and depressed, even when your life is okay, even when things are positive and you can't get out of a rut, that's not beautiful. Certainly, if you're thinking of dying ever, if you're planning to die, if you're plotting your own demise, not beautiful. But what is beautiful sadness then? You know, it it is the ability to live and even cry or tear up at and be moved by the beauty of life, even as you recognize how tragic it all is. You can look at examples such as someone on their deathbed facing the ending, knowing they're going. Jesus. He says, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. He sees the tragedy of his ending, the tragedy of people crucifying him. He recognizes it as beautiful, even as it's tragic, even as it's sad, even as they weep, his mother, even as they kill him. The tragedy, the sadness of people killing him and thinking they're punishing a liar when they're really killing the son of God. They know not what they do. Forgive them, forgive them. There's a beauty in that sad moment. And then his final words, Father, into your hands, I commend my spirit. Giving up. Stopping surrendering, dying, sad, but there's a beauty in it, offering up, passing over, moving on. There is a spirit handing it off like football. It's a handoff. (laughs) Don't fumble it, God. Run it home into the end zone for a touchdown. Seven points, God. Get a seven. Here's Jesus talking to you. Come on now. I'm your son. Do me right into your hands. Here's the ball. Here's the ball. Run me into the... Hey! So there's a beautiful sadness to that line that I just made light of, but it's really beautifully sad. And some days when we don't want to go to school or we don't want to go to work, we don't want to face the the humdrum of the everyday, marching one foot in front of the other, robotically behaving. We recognize how sad it all is that we all live our lives day in and day out, so often ignoring what's around us, what truly matters. There's a song that was performed by Noel Harrison, Son of Rex, On an album called Mrs. Williams Rose. And I don't remember, unfortunately, who actually wrote that song. But the lyric is, I took the time to look at Mrs. Williams Rose this morning. In her garden, sitting, staring from the ground. The early light, the the early sound, and the early sun and dawning. And the whisper of the wind, the only sound. I took the time, heard the rhymes I wasn't hearing. I was much too busy being busy, wasn't I? And the entire song is about stopping to take the time to see the simple things, to hear the nature, the, the, the process of nature speak to you. Don't take it for granted. Which we do day in and day out as we just walk past coldly onto our bus, into our car, into our office, into our jobs, and we just perform something that we may maybe don't want to do because we need to make money, because we need to pay our rent, because we need to buy food, et cetera. But although it's part of survival, animalistic jungle survival to work, to make money, to live, even... Our cats, as they eat and drink water and chase mice, whatever they do, we see in them various moments throughout each day where they lounge around, roll on their back, squint their eyes with love as they stare at you, purr deeply with a sense of love that they share so willingly. We can see that even the more feral cats have these moments through each of their days where they are soaking in the beauty of life. And they probably don't have a lot of sadness because they're not aware of the ending coming. But as a human being, as Kurt Vonnegut wrote so many years ago, tiger got to hunt, bird got to fly, man got to sit and wonder why, why, why. Tiger got to rest, sleep, bird got to land. Man got to sit and try to understand. So these animals do their daily tasks and then they rest. Man has to struggle with the meaning of it all and the sadness of it all and to make it make sense, knowing the end is nigh and they are coming to a conclusion. And it may be before they are ready Cats and other animals get arthritis or problems, and they feel it, and you see their mood sink, as my last cat did when I had to put her down. Finally, she had a tumor on her lung, and they said there was no guarantee they could, even with a very expensive surgery, remove it without fatally killing her on the operation table. And they advised me to put her down, so I did. But in the two weeks before I took her to get the, the, the diagnosis, I saw her mood change, her hair fall out, her sleeping under the bed, hiding out, just drained, drained, not healthy. Everything that made her my cat that I loved was gone. And, but she didn't know why. She wasn't facing depression. She was physically carrying on, but with less energy. But human beings... We could be perfectly healthy, not losing our hair, no arthritis, no pain even. We could be younger, yet aware, more aware than a cat or most animals, that we're dying. Because we are, each of us, every day. As we live, we die. And none of us know when we're at the end of the rope. We don't know when our day is coming. And we have to carry on with that knowledge that awareness that an animal doesn't have. So what do we do with that? Do we ignore it and brazenly, bluntly march forward, pretending we are immortal, which that's what a lot of people choose to do. Or do we reflect on that reality of our eventual death and therefore open ourselves up to the beautiful sadness the awareness with it, with every sunrise there is a sunset. Or, if you prefer the night, with every sunset there has to be that damn sunrise. If you're a vampire, for example, <laughs> or if you uh, see trees as beautiful when they are blossoming, then it's the empty stick trees in the winter. Now you can know they're going to reblossom, and that the fall of the leaves is temporary but with human life we don't know that it's temporary it takes faith to believe there is a reblossoming of the soul once it is finished so knowing that it's all up to us to see past death that nothing is guaranteed but the word of jesus who we can either believe or dismiss no other faith really has a living example speaking of eternity. So we either dismiss Jesus as a story and have nothing or we choose to believe. Either way, all we know for fact outside of Jesus and the story of Jesus is that we are dying. And no matter what faith we have, Our faith is dying with us. And if there's eternity or not, that's Jesus or bust, I'm afraid. And so with that knowledge comes tremendous sadness if you care to think about it and reflect on it. But it doesn't have to be depressive sadness. It doesn't have to be bleak, end-of-the-world sadness. I know some people who've lived their lives living denying the reality of sad things and in recent days because of the virus and the president that we have in this country they are not able to avoid anymore or hide from anymore the reality of the darkness that is a part of us that always was and they were less equipped to deal with these troubled times than I was because I'm someone who from a very young age saw the beauty and sadness wasn't afraid to face the reality of bad things every day. I don't view myself as goth or negative-minded or a downer. I live in happiness. I try to live in joy. I try to see the good in things. I try to have hope. I always have. But for whatever reason, from a very young age... I never wanted to deny the truth of the negative that was before my eyes. In fact, I wanted to discover more of it. I wanted to be aware of it. Knowledge was power. Knowledge, more importantly than power to me, was awareness. And I didn't want to be fooled by hope. I wanted any hope or faith to be a choice that I made in the face of the truth. No matter how dark it seems, I wanted my faith and my choice of hope to be completely well-informed. So when we get to an era like current times where something as bleak as a deadly virus is hanging over us so much so that stores and environments we go out into are changed, there's plexiglass up and tape on the floor pointing in certain directions, we are seeing... That, oh, my God, you know, people have taken physical steps to change the behavior of environments and stores and such. This is real. This is happening. It's not just statistics on my television. I stayed at home. I hid from this. Now I go out into it and it's affected the outside world. Oh, my God. Yes, well. All of it is there all the time, all of these diseases, all of this loneliness, all of this loss, all of this you know sadness. I hear it in the music. I loved it in the sad songs from the time I was a boy. I never hid from all of the sadness that's there all of the time, all of the death that's there all of the time. I never once denied the reality that I could die tomorrow. I always knew that was true. the The difference is some people... When they see that, they think it's depressing and sad and they make fun of it, and they make a joke of it, like Morrissey's lyrics with the Smiths. There are those who find them moving and profound, as I believe they truly were, and those who think they're quirky and oddball and funny and what some of them are, but for the most part, the heartbroken, forlorn, beautiful sadness that he sings about is the profound reality spoken. The reality of human existence revealed with courage as opposed to hiding behind platitudes and would be kind of wish it would have sort of ideas, which is what a lot of people do. They hide behind the hopes and dreams that they have and are afraid to see the stark reality because to them it isn't beautiful. It's just dark and sad and depressing. And I don't know how you how you start to traffic in beautiful sadness versus just bad sad sadness I don't know maybe it's genetic I don't know, but I know my favorite songs, my favorite movies, my favorite people are not the depressive suicidals but are the people who understand the sadness of life and are willing to talk about it and write poems about it and and philosophize about it and don't hide from it day to day. And those people generally are anxious about going to work and are sad about maybe being stuck in a job they don't like or not having, you know, their own property or home or having, you know, children or spouses or significant others that they feel not as close to as they wish they could. They're, they're not afraid to examine those, elements of their day-to-day life and lament and feel sad, but also to see the beauty in the fact that life is still continuing. There is still hope. You know, you can make amends with people from your past. You can draw closer to children and significant others who you know that you're not as close to as you should be, but it starts with awareness. And awareness means facing things that make you sad. Having the courage to draw before you in full visage that which is otherwise sad, and ingesting in a way that ingesting it in a way that is not defeating or discouraging, but somehow inspiring and hopeful and gets you to do more going forward. Seeing the sadness as beautiful because it is equally a part of life as the joy. That's what Jesus did on the cross. His final words are a complete witnessing of the tragedy befalling him and the dark and the scariness of transferring his soul over to God, but spinning it with the beauty of forgive them and here's my spirit, Lord. I mean, he put a positive, beautiful spin on very negative shit going down right before his eyes and his body bleeding and dying on that cross. So it's a wonderful story, true or false. It's a beautiful story right up to the end and beyond. And there's a lot to be learned from the story of Jesus and in particular his death. Even if you don't believe in Jesus, there's a lot to be learned from that story about how to best traverse this very sad existence that we find ourselves in called life. Because if we are honest, and let's be honest here, can we, now, right now, life is ultimately sad. Because for all of us, it is ending. And for the ones we love, it's going to end as well. And whether we go first or they go first, it's a heavy sadness on one or the other. And really on both. Dying will be sad for us, and losing anyone while we live is sad for us. So death aside, what about the other smaller defeats, the losses of property, jobs, you know, the influx of infestations of bugs and birds and mice and collapsing closets and collapsing floors and decks and problems, problems every day, sad, tragic, worrisome, threatening, Problems, disputes with people who have power over us, police, deaths in the street, terrible presidents who are immoral, yet exalted by people for unknown reasons that, ter- that are terrifying. Sadness from that. There's a great sadness from that. Now, where is the beauty? The beauty is in the realization that none of this is new to mankind. None of it, including Donald Trump. We've had dictators and tyrants far worse in our history as a, as a human race. People who took their power and had the authority to kill and rape and steal property from those under their power. It, it has happened on countless occasions throughout human history. Donald Trump hasn't gotten away with all that yet, and he won't. We are still a democracy. We do have checks and balances here. We do. We've proven it over and over again, including the recent Supreme Court rulings that had told him he can't do away with DACA with an executive order that told him, uh, that told the courts, rather, and the states, rather, that, that no, you have to respect sexual preference and sexual identity as protected elements under the act, uh, the, the social uh, the the Civil Rights Act of nineteen sixty four, they are protected as well. When they used the word sex in that act, it referred to not just gender, but to gender identity and sexual preference. That's what they decided. The Supreme Court, even though Donald Trump put Gorsuch and Kavanaugh on that court to swing the court highly conservative, six to three conservative, yet we got a six to three ruling. With Gorsuch writing the majority decision, saying that our Constitution protects sexual preference and gender identity under the Civil Rights Act from discrimination in the workplace. So the point is, there is still beautiful hope in the sadness, even with a Donald Trump. And we've had far worse than Donald Trump's in our world. Maybe not in America. I don't think ever in America. I don't think in the history of America we've ever had a leader of America, a president of these United States, as awful as Donald Trump. I don't think so. But in the world, we sure have had worse. We've had worse. The point is, these things are real. They're around us. We can embrace them. They make us sad. But we can find beauty. We can find beauty in them. And there is beauty in Donald Trump being in office. What is that beauty, you ask? That Supreme Court ruling is one. But the fact that, in general, we are going to survive him, it's clear now. That's beautiful. The fact that he is going to undo himself and be his own undoing and his own people are turning away from him. America defeated him. It's beautiful. We're not done yet. Don't get me wrong. Don't kick cocky, kick your feet up. We got a, a hell of a battle in front of us still in November. But even if we lose in November by some fraud, by some evil doing in the election process, who knows? He will be gone and he will not take this country with him. That's obvious to me now, maybe not to you. But I think as someone who sees the darkness every day, who appreciates the sadness, I'm telling you, there's a beauty still even, even in the fiasco and the nightmare of Donald Trump as president. It's harder to find a silver lining in the virus because all that is is lost time and lost loved ones. Those who have died and who will die from this virus, there's no silver silver lining there. I mean, something came along and took them. Something will take the ones we love still. And it didn't have to be. And that's just sad. But once we fight past that and we will and get out of it, what is the the lesson to be learned? What is the silver lining? What is the hope in that sadness? I think the beautiful sadness in the virus is precisely that it's making more people take time to see Mrs. Williams Rose this morning in her garden, sitting, staring from the ground. I think that the beauty of the virus is it's causing people to realize how temporary we are, how fragile life is, and how we took so much for granted. And you see the people refusing to wear the masks and claiming the virus is a non-killer and it's all a lie still. These are the people that are so unable to deal with emotion and the reality of the sadness of life that they are in the face of this deadly virus kicking and screaming and denying. Because these people don't know what beautiful sadness is and they never will. These are the people that even as they're dying of the virus, they refuse to reevaluate their lives or the things they've said or done because in the end, they will find some way to rationalize it all away, even as they take their last breath. And yes, there is sadness in knowing people like that exist. No question. Great sadness and not much beauty. I, I will grant you that. Those types of people that deny the reality of sad things, that live their lives in the face of hatred, they, they, they embrace hatred. They embrace things that are sad in one respect, hatred, bigotry, greed. But the true sadness is the disease, the inequity, the abuse, and they deny that. And they die without ever seeing the beautiful sadness. And they face their own dark, cold sadness in the end. And I don't know what happens to those people. If you believe in Jesus and they didn't seek redemption, I guess they went to hell, maybe. That's not my call, thank God. (laughs) Thank you, God, for making that call for me because I don't want to make that call. But I know what happens to you and I if we have a good heart and we see the, the sadness around us and we embrace it and we cry and we get down, but we hug it and we hold it and we know that it's beautiful in a way. It's a blue day. It's a day of tears and sad songs. It's a day when we feel in our hearts, the ones we've lost and the ones we will lose. We feel in our hearts close to us, how temporary life is and the beauty of life and how it's so gorgeous and so wonderful and so fleeting. And in those moments when we breathe it in and exhale it out deeply and we meditate on what we have, what we've lost, and what we will lose, somehow in that moment, we find the hope of what we will gain. We find the inspiration to look beyond the sadness to the further beauty that we can still enjoy. While we're here, and even perhaps if we choose to believe in the beauty of an afterlife after we're gone from here, reunited again with those we have lost, reunited with all that beauty that we've tragically had to let go, commended into the hands of our Father, giving over our spirit as we pray for those who have persecuted us during the course of our lives. If we're lucky enough, and we've opened our eyes to the beautiful sadness long enough before we die, the hope is, in that moment of passing over, we'll be able to embrace a beautiful joy, an erasure of the sadness in a recognition of the beauty that was always there. Hidden in the sadness for a while, but then eternal in the glory and joy forever. I love you. Yabba da boopa.